You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bigger Than Beer, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the larger impact of craft beer and the people within this industry. This season's topic is women plus in the industry, and our goal with this platform is to shine a light on the outstanding women who are in various fields of the hop and beer industry, while also exploring solutions for change. My name is Tony Lynn Adams, and I am honored to be serving as host of the Bigger Than Beer podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode five of Bigger Than Beer season one. With Hop Harvest currently occurring, I have the opportunity to speak with two YCHT members who are in town for the Harvest Action, and I'm excited to have them join me in the show today uh, to discuss networking and relationships in the craft beer industry. Uh, based on their current roles as field marketing managers for YCH and the robust experience within this industry, I could not think of a better fit to discuss this topic. Uh, welcome Kelly Lormeyer and Ashley Hayden to Bigger Than Beer. So I will kick this off by asking you each to tell me a little bit about yourself, um, kind of reviewing your educational and professional background up to this point today. Cool. Thanks, Tony Lynn, for having us over. It's really exciting to see you. I know you can't see us on the podcast. Um, my name's Kelly Lormeyer. Uh, I've been with Yakima Chief for six years. Um, most recently with Yakima Chief, I was in the sales department. Uh, so did six years, um, first starting off covering all of California um, and Hawaii, uh, about three years into it. Um, we got, I got a helper, and he covered Northern California, and I took on Arizona. Um, and then now I'm in field marketing for about the last like 11 months, I believe, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, which has been really fun. But what brought me to Yakima Chief basically was um, I got out of college. Um, I was in waitressing and bartending as I was in college and really enjoyed the fast-paced nature of it. Um, I ended up working for a large beer bar in St. Louis with about 60 handles, and the owner of that beer bar um, had opened, I think, like three or four restaurants before he opened that one, and I had actually worked with him before, and he was very about education with beer, with food, cheese, wine, um, so he just like really sparked my interest in learning more, and when he wanted to open that beer bar, I was very interested. I had heard of this program called the Cicerone, which I thought that was a really neat program and I hadn't really heard of it. Now it's like huge. Uh, but I was like, Dave, we should like have everyone be Cicerones. And we never really did, but I learned so much about beer and had a bunch of um, beer reps come into my bar. And I was just like, wow, that look, looks like a really cool job. Like I would love to do that job. Uh, so every time a manager would come to my bar that was in the beer industry, I would be like, you know, fly, flying my flag, <laughs> letting them know that I was available and would really be interested in that kind of a job. Um, I got lucky. Tallgrass Brewing picked me up. Um, they are no longer around, but they were in Manhattan, Kansas. I was in St. Louis at the time. And he brought me over to work for him. And I actually had to live in Manhattan for the first year with the company, which was actually a great experience because I wasn't a professional brewer, but I was in the brew house every day okay. and learning from that brewer and was able to really like learn about hops. Um, it's where I learned about like what galaxy hops were, what citra hops were, learned that CTZ was Columbus, Tomahawk, and Zeus. And now I've learned so much more. Um, but yeah, just that being in that environment for five years um, and just really like getting immersed in the beer situation really made me like appreciate it was a small brewery. We went from like, I want to say like 4,000 to like 16,000 barrels in the four years, four or five years I was there. 
Um, got picked up by New Belgium um, after that. Uh, I was close to some of the reps out there and um, worked for New Belgium, and that's kind of Ashley and I share that uh, together. But um, New Belgium was great with you know their sustainability measures, you know um, Earth Day stuff. They did uh, protect our winters. They had a lot of like cool programs that I thought was really important, um, and I learned from them for that year just more about that sustainability measure that I'd never really been as involved in, but always had appreciated. Um, and from there, I was just kind of looking for six years as a beer rep. I was kind of tired, wanted kind of more of a nine to fiver, um, and started looking at raw materials where I found Yakima Chief and the vision values and everything here that really like drove me to want to work for the company. So that's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about your background with the Pink Boots blend and the initiation of that with our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Pink Boots has been really fun. Um, started like what the, so this is our fifth year. Uh, so we were in the field one day and just like chatting about, we were in the experimental field, just like all the salespeople rubbing hops, just talking about how neat this experience was. And the CEO at the time was really interested in my knowledge of like being a woman in the industry and like how we could connect more with some, with my group of people, I guess. Um, and I had met Laura Ulrich at a beer dinner, um, like, really close previously to that when I, cause I moved to San Diego solo. I knew no one. Um, so I would put myself out there and I went to this beer dinner. It was all female beer dinner that, um, I'm, I'm forgetting her name, but she put on every year during beer week and it was really fun. And Laura was there and that's kind of when me and Laura connected a little bit more. And then right after that, this, um, opportunity happened in the field. And I was like, man, Laura would be great for that. Like she's a female, it's, you know, helping women in beer, um, they inspire, assist, and encourage. And so it just was like a no-brainer. And quickly we pivoted. It was like, I think 10 days later, I was landing in the, at the GABF with a suitcase full of hops. And we were going to their meeting. They have an annual meeting at GABF. And we threw out all the hops. And we were like, here they are, ladies. Smell them. And uh, Kim Britson Lutz, who's a brewer at Maui, and um, Nicole, and I'm forgetting her last name, but they started putting hops in uh, cups at different varieties and we we're all kind of smelling the cups and then adding different things and we decided that this was the one like one of them was the one and that's like how we do it to this day yeah <laughs> which is pretty cool right and it's now contributed like more than like three hundred and eighty thousand dollars to yeah. the pink boot society scholarship funds that's really awesome to have you in here to talk about the origin of the now you know very um i think popular pink boots blend that that we offer that's awesome yeah. And Ashley, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your education and professional background? Absolutely. Um, hi, I'm Ashley Hing. And like Kelly, I started off in St. Louis working at a really cool beer bar with over 500 beers. While I was working there, I landed an internship at a small barrel and a half brewery. They picked me up full time. And in that first year, I think I brewed about 100 total barrels. And then throughout my career, I continued to brew professionally and my last year brewing, I brewed on a 50-barrel system and brewed um, about 40,000 barrels that year. After that, I too joined New Belgium, where I worked in the field quality um, department, and we would do a lot of traveling and training, working with distributors, educating retailers and line cleaners. So the majority of my job was just going around talking about beer, which I still can't think of anything better. Um, after about seven and a half years there, 
I took the opportunity to join Kelly and round out the field marketing team. And like Kelly, as I was looking at my next opportunity, I came across Yakima Chief and saw that they had their um, corporate social responsibility um, measures posted, their CSR report. And as I read that, I was like, this is the only company in my mind that can compete with the values that New Belgium had that so attracted me to them. And I've been on this team for about 11 months as well, and it's my first harvest, and I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. And so you, so you guys had crossed paths before arriving to, to YCH, right? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So Kelly ran the raddest beer bar in all of St. Louis when <laughs> we first met. Um, and then I ran into her again when she was working for Tallgrass. And I was really inspired by your career and kind of how you had progressed and was, quite frankly, almost jealous of what you were achieving. Um, and then we worked together at New Belgium. And again, we both lived that, that um, values that New Belgium really celebrates in sustainability and open book management, just kind of how we treated people. And I think we had a, a blast there drinking beers and playing volleyball. <laughs> right on. So it sounds like you both have worked, you know, pretty heavily in kind of like sales and, and customer relations um, on that side of the industry. And, you know, starting with beer sales on like kind of like a B2C side and then migrating to hop sales on the B2B side of things. Um, can you describe the, the differences and or the similarities between working on these two opposite sides of the supply chain? Um, yeah, I'll take that one first and then I'll let you help. You'll help me. <laughs> um, I think like it's really, it's vastly different, um, but it's vastly the same uh, working with the type of people that we work with, everyone has a very strong personality. You know, these are business owners. These are people that are very passionate about their craft and being able to, um, hone in either if you're selling beer to a, a bar manager or an owner of a bar or an owner or a restaurant or a grocery store and, um, being able to sell the raw product to a owner of a brewery or the head brewer master, um, they, they do have a lot of similar things. You need to be really, you know, looking for those cues of what that person's looking for. Um, you need to understand their business. You can't just walk in there blind and be like, I'm here to sell you some cascade hops. And they're like, we don't use cascade hops, you know, it's like understand the consumer. So I think, I think there's a lot of similarities and it was pretty easy to transition from being, um, to the, uh, actual like bar to the actual brewer making the beer. And it was kind of exciting. Interesting. For me, um, having started as a brewer before really entering into that um, supplier sales world, I really loved the brewing community. It was a really welcoming place. As a female, I always felt accepted and sometimes even like I had a, a foot up on male brewers because I stood out and was different. Uh, then when I stepped into the, the beer sales world, it was a little bit different working with distributors and retailers. There can be a little bit of that um, kind of old school culture sometimes. Um, and I don't know, these relationships to me were very transactional. You know, here's your beer. And it, it really focused on like doing the community things that brewers do. There wasn't like that greater good feeling working with distributors and retailers. Yeah, I like that a lot. That I do, the greater good, because you are your part of the process on this side, where yeah, you are just like transactionally, like, how many six packs can I get you today? 
that's a really interesting like difference to to point out something I hadn't really thought of and appreciate that perspective. So what originally drew you to working in sales specifically within the beer industry? And is there anything that really makes you um, like passionate about it? Absolutely. So as much as I loved brewing beer, I have learned that I maybe like talking about beer more. <laughs> um, it is it is definitely the thing that keeps me passionate is learning and continuing to talk about beer. It's an ever evolving industry. Um, so for me, I guess I've learned that I thought there was one path forward for me and that would be brewing. But there's so many varieties of positions available to women across the industry, available to anyone across the industry, that for me it's been great to not pigeonhole myself into just production. Um, And I think I feel really passionate about my role and in this industry because I get to do a lot of projects that again work toward that greater good, Ales for ALS, Rising Hope, Brave Noise, these are all things that we get to help um, share with brewers and help elevate the industry. And just real quick to interject um, a little bit about those projects that you named, will you kind of um, expand on those just slightly for listeners who may not be aware of what some of those are? Absolutely. So the Ales for ALS is obviously a, a beer made to benefit ALS. It is a hot blend from Loftus, I believe, that um, it brewers pick up and then donate the proceeds to ALS. And then Rising Hope is one for pediatric brain cancer. And Brave Noise is a initiative that was kind of started by the rat magnet movement. And they have 12 different charities that they support that all benefit um, women and minorities across the, the beverage industry. Great. Thanks for expanding a little bit for those who might not be familiar. I think we, we talk about those titles of them so often, so appreciate that expansion. And what about you, Kelly? So what originally drew you to working in sales specifically within the beer industry? And is there anything in particular that makes you really passionate about your role? Okay, thank you. Um, I like for sales, it just comes naturally. Like I like to meet people. I like to talk to people. Um, I feel like it's an easy transaction Um, and I'm going back to like my time at the bar and watching those salespeople. And I was like, man, they're having like so much fun. They get to like go drink beer at night and like take people out. Okay. Sounds terrible. Um, but ultimately like I've always wanted to work for farmers and this opportunity was like to work directly with a vast majority or not majority, a vast group of farmers that are so dedicated to making their craft very like specific for these brewers in order to ensure the best beers are being brewed. So that was like, to get this call from Yakima Chief to even get an interview um, was like insanely cool. And then to get the job, I was actually going for the East Coast. Um, They make us do, or they asked us to present like a presentation on why we would be the best salesperson for the job. And so I presented on the East Coast and like I found all some brewers over there that I thought were cool. I kind of put this presentation together, why I would be the best fit. Um, And then I got the call from Ryan, like, I don't know, a week later or so and he was like, it sounded like he was going to like let me down easy. And then he's like, well, we want to hire you for California. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> but I played it cool. I was like, oh, I'll like, just give me one day and I'll call you back, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the fast paced nature. It's part of being like act- the actual part of making something mm-hmm. and then working for people that actually like work the land and 
yeah. make an excellent product. It's a super unique feature to be working directly with, with those who are producing this crop and then also that are part of leadership here. It's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting and yeah. really unique position. Right. That's awesome. Um, so you kind of touched on this, but what are some personality traits or skills that you, that you believe are particularly important in this specific field? Um, I think the most important one is that you're listening to your, your customer or your partner, whatever we want to call them. Um, the people that we work with, it's very important to like take those cues when you hear them talk about things that they're passionate about and you can like pull out like, Oh, I, I hear you're saying you like, you want more citrus in your beer or you want to like be like a little bit different than someone. So here's a hop that I think would help benefit you. And then also it's really cool to know the backstory of that hop and like, you know, where it's grown, who grows it, um, different people that have used it. So you can point your brewers to other brewers so that they can talk to their friends and get that peer to peer feedback. Um, I think it's important to be in contact as much as you can, either if it's by email, by phone, by physically going to see people, um, the more contact and touch that you have with your customer, you're going to have like a lot more, um, success. Um, I think it's important to keep an upbeat attitude. Uh, you don't want to be down. You don't want to go into, you don't want to tell them what your problems are, right? Like that's not anything that they need to hear. You just want to be able to like, if you're late on an email or something, you know, it's just like, maybe say that like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but you don't need to, but just be like focused on them. What are they doing? What's happening? Um, really understand their product as much as you can and try to connect them with the people that grow their hops or connect them with other brewers to help them be more successful. What are your thoughts, Ashley? I think being adaptable is key. You're dealing with a lot of different personalities and being able to adapt to their preferred communication method is pretty important. And then I also think at the same time, you really need to be your authentic self. Uh, Brewers and people, they can tell when you're not genuine. So I think that's really important to stay true to who you are throughout it. And like Kelly said, I think asking questions is a skill and it's one that I'm always working to get better at. Um, And with listening, I think active listening is very important, like you said. And there is a saying at New Belgium that always stuck with me. And it is uh, listen to understand, not to respond. And I think that is the most important thing we can do when we're working with brewers is really trying to understand their needs rather than sell them what we think they want. Yeah, I'll tell you that listen to understand. That's what I try to bring to this podcast every single episode (laughs) because you're thinking about all this stuff, but you're trying to also take in what people are sharing with you. So I think that's a great lesson for anyone to take away. Um, is And it's also challenging. I mean, I think we're naturally wired to kind of be thinking in our own bubble, but how do you challenge yourself to be trying to put yourself in, in the other person or, or you know, customer, partner, their shoes and trying to find out what they're what they're really needing, what their needs are or what their wants are and how can you ser- you know provide that service or that need and fulfill that. That's awesome. So both are, you know, I think I, I hear like persistent, you know, good listening skills, um, upbeat attitude, adaptable and genuine. And I I actually kind of want to expand on that a little bit, Ashley, like, how do you, how do you, um, kind of ground yourself in bringing your genuine personality, you know, in these customer interactions? I definitely said, I think it's a skill you need to have, not that it's one I currently have, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I try to remember why I got into this and keep moving forward with that. And 
I know that I am different than a lot of people in this industry, but I have learned over time to use those differences as strengths. Right. That's a great point. I love that. You know, I think it's pretty well known that sales can be a challenging uh, field in general, working with a lot of different personalities and preferences and balancing all of these different relationships that you're working with. What have you found to be the most challenging for you personally? Um, I guess I would say the most challenging is like really knowing when to take time for yourself because uh, it is like a 24-hour-a-day job. Um, you can get text calls emails and different times of the day and night and weekend and holidays. And, um, so making sure that you're taking time for yourself cause you can, that makes you be able to show up for your customers with your best attitude. And I'm, I'm kind of curious when you're talking about making time for yourself, is that include kind of like, how do you set your own boundaries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is that? What are some examples of ways to do that you found have been successful? Um, for me, since we this is a pretty heavy travel job, uh, I would say we're on the road between 60 and 70% of our life. Um, when I'm home, I'm definitely making my appointments to go to the gym uh, whenever, even during work hours, because I've been on the road, so I'm going to take that time to go to the gym. Right. Um, I, on the road, I have chosen to be more of a plant-based eater um, because it made me, on the road, be more thoughtful of what I was eating and putting into my body. Um, I was just noticing, you know, you're on an expense account and like, that means you're going to restaurants all the time. And a lot of them aren't that healthy, right? You're eating like burgers or whatever, French fries. That was a big French fry girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so making sure on the road to be taking care of myself, um, with my eating habits has been like really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, also like finding a gym or, Maybe a, um, I used to do 24 hour fitness because they had them everywhere. So I was able to keep my spin gym stuff going. Um, they've since a not since COVID has changed a lot, but, um, also whenever I'm on the road, trying to find maybe a hike that I would like to do, uh, some of the brewers, you know, they're very active as well. So trying to like work with them to like, be like, Hey, would you want to go on a hike or would you want to do something? And um, we're kind of coming out of COVID right now. So it's definitely been interesting to try to figure out how to balance this new um life and get back into things yeah absolutely and what about you ashley what have you found to be challenging um in the sales field i also had the hours left um kind of in my mind i definitely think it can be really challenging to do your job well without putting in more time um so it's a focus for me I also think that one of the more challenging things I sometimes feel is that I'm not always taken seriously until I give my resume. And it can be a little bit frustrating at times to have to explain your value and your worth to every person you meet. Some of that I wonder if that's like my own imposter syndrome and I'm perceiving that they're not listening the way they would if they, if say it was a man or if they knew that I had brewed and won GAVF medals, um, once people know that, they tend to change their attitude and, and like listen to what I have to say. Right. So, But it's not until like you've provided those kind of credentials and then the tone changes and the atmosphere changes. I think so. Yeah. I can imagine that to be incredibly, you know, challenging within that field because you are having so many customer interactions and to constantly have that question, you know, when you're bringing, you know, I think 
imposter syndrome, which is something that it's extremely common. Um, having someone almost like validate what you're, what you're saying to yourself is like the, it's a terrible feeling, right? Cause you're just like, you just confirmed what I thought, but in reality, that's not true in the situation at all. It's like, you have amazing experience. You have lots of important value to bring to your your current role, you know, based on your previous, previous experience, but also what you're learning, what's new. It's, it's not always based on your past resume, but what you are currently doing and, and your current goals. So, you know, I can imagine that can be an incredibly frustrating feeling and encounter to, um, to meet all the time in, in that kind of role and interaction. I think I, to like bounce on top of that, I do. It is interesting when you can watch someone, regardless of maybe what gender they are, because it does happen on both sides. Um, you can watch someone like they're like, ah, oh, this person, whatever. And then like if you do validate, and then they're like lights go off, and you're like, wow, okay, cool. I try to as a person like, it's their small mind, mm-hmm. and like I try to remember that just to help my own self just be positive. Yeah. Is there any, like, um, uh, like kind of how Kelly talked about, you know, I remind myself that that's small mindedness. Is there anything that kind of lessons that you've learned that you remind yourself of when you're, you're getting questioned like that, or you're walking away from an interaction like that to help you, you know, keep your head up and know that you're, you're doing great and you're bringing great value to the table? I think the variety of work that I've done throughout my career makes me really well-rounded for almost any situation that I walk into. Um, I also have a sweet pair of Wireman Red overalls that remind me that once upon a time, I was super successful. (laughs) And you still are. Yeah, (laughs) you still are. (laughs) The symbolism, you know, it's a good reminder, tangible reminder. I like that. Um, you know, there are a thousand different approaches uh, to sales and customer relations, and you know, everyone has their own opinions on how to successfully build relationships with customers. Can you tell me a little bit about like your own personal philosophy to customer relations and, and sales? Um, I would say personal philosophy is like, again, just the listening, keeping your open mind. I do find, I mean, I find it interesting, like sales and the, we're not really sales. Well, I was sales. Our job isn't really sales. I think ours is like to support the sales role. So it's like finding those like fun opportunities that make people want to use our hops. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you make it like their own idea? Um, and and just being like a really good supporter of the local craft scene. Right. Um, yeah. Sounds like some in, like community involvement and also creativity like how do we make something fun and interactive and creative that brings these two you know the product and the customer together and and make it a kind of a mutually beneficial event or or interaction yeah and also keeping it authentic you know you don't just want to throw things on the wall just to see what sticks Um, I think it's it's important to get our growers out there yesterday we had a tour with Mike Smith and um, we had like 15 people on the tour and Mike was talking about all this neat stuff that we're doing, and it was just really neat to see the light bulbs going off on these people's heads. It's like, oh, yeah, they're not just, like, typing stuff down and, like, putting a website together. They're actually, like, living mm-hmm. their their culture. So actually being able to have that as a key, you know, like, a you know, in our pocket has been really fantastic. 
yeah, kind of carry those stories and experiences that you have either on your visits, you know, to the farm or here in Yakima or just like out in the field and then being able to take those to customers and storytelling is, I think, a really value in, in customer relations. Mm-hmm. Ashley? Um, I want to start off by saying, Kelly, I think you lead with authenticity, watching you with your customers, and she almost has like friendships with every customer. It's not just she's hit that that friendship partner consultant level with all of her past customers. And I think I tend to lead on the flip side and I default, and it could be my analytical brain, but I default to knowledge and research in my relationships. I try to make it about the research our company is doing, the the new advances, our product development um, to build those relationships. Yeah, it's been nice to have like Ashley because she is a lot more analytical than I am. I do just kind of fly off the cuff. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, there's obviously reason behind it, but um, it's just my personality. But I do appreciate like learning from you. Um, I think that's been like a really great part of uh, our roles together and us being so dynamically different that like I'm learning a lot and it sounds like maybe you're learning some things too. So <laughs> just a little, the oh, dynamic duo for sure. Yeah. You guys, you guys do have, you know, different personalities, but you're accomplishing and you know, you're, you're reaching your goals. You have the same goals in mind. Um, which just goes to show that there's not one way to do anything. It's like, that's why we talked about like, there's a thousand different ways to do something. And like part of this is so personality driven um, it, this industry is full of big personalities, um, for sure. And you guys both bring wonderful personalities to, to each of these roles in different ways. It's really cool to see. You bring a good personality too, Tony Lynn. Thank you. (laughs) Has, has your personal philosophy changed over the years? As far as what? As far as like a sales or customer, more like customer relations approach than sales, but has it evolved, you know, over the the extension? The extensive? The time <laughs> has it evolved I've over the years? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think it has definitely changed. I think it's changed because I've gotten like deep roots and under like knowing our growers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very lucky when I started with this company. We were like, I think five or six salespeople. Um, I don't even remember how many pounds we were taking in, but it was like way less than we're taking in now. We might have been in the 20 million. And now we're about 40 million. So seeing that that growth... Um, and seeing that the authentic, the authenticity still coming through from like day one, when I started, when Jason Peralt, Mike Smith, Pat Smith, um, Carp- Steve Carpenter, like Brad Carpenter, you know, some of the founders of our company were so excited to have this like sales team and to meet us and to show us their craft. And then still, I went and saw all of these farmers this year and they're still the same. It's still the same. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it's changed. I think it's evolved just knowing deeper and deeper about things. And so it gives me more opportunity to really spread that story, um, authentically and easier. I know whenever new people start it, it's a little bit more intimidating. I think, um, you're walking into like a large, large hop company, um, and you're trying to learn all of their vision values and everything at once. And it can be a lot to take in. So I feel like I'm pretty lucky because I got to start slow and now as we're ramping high, like I, I can see the early value of where we started. Yeah, absolutely. Ashley, has it evolved your personal philosophy on customer relations evolved over the years? I think it has. I think I started out really bright eyed and super friendly. And over the years, especially in that 
working with distributors and retailers time frame, I think I felt that my friendliness was sometimes misinterpreted as interest. And that's when I think I really started to try to put up professional boundaries and lean on facts and knowledge as my gateway. So I, I think it's almost like a protection mechanism right? that developed over time. Right. That, like that friendliness is being misconstrued in, in a different level. And so by being able to bring that knowledge and research, it kind of creates uh, a barrier, but also, you know, reaffirms that your, your knowledge and your value and, and all of that. I can, I can see how that has um, been a move over the years for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause like I rarely had my, I mean, let's face it. I work with mostly men. Um, I was in Florida though recently and in Fort Lauderdale and there was a slew of women brewers down there and we need, we need more ladies like that across the USA. Um, and there's, you know, um, the friendliness is interesting because whenever you are friendly with people, like I do think some of them, and I think that's their own way of their thinking that think, oh, she's hitting on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, no, I'm not hitting on you. Like, I'm just want to have dinner tonight because I'm alone. And like, I'd rather have like, if you want me to take you out to dinner, I'll take you out to dinner. It's just to talk about work. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, trying to get people to understand that is definitely an interesting dynamic. Yeah, another challenge for sure. I imagine in these roles that you guys have, um, you interact with hundreds of different people throughout the year with a lot of face-to-face, very casual interactions, obviously pre-COVID. Um, and I think it's pretty widely known that um, from consumers to the brewery to the hot fields, as you just mentioned, this is a heavily male-dominated field and uh, dominated industry. Um, what has it been like working in this industry as a woman? Um, I would say it's it's neat. Um I think, like Ashley mentioned earlier, like we stand out. Um, I did say that to one guy one time, and he told me I had a big ego. Thought that was kind of funny. And I was like, "Well, that, I mean, sure." Um, Go off, Kelly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I think it's nice that, like, we get like the perspective that we bring to the table is like another perspective, right? So if you have, we're working with a lot of these guys are open-minded or women too. Um, but I do think like we're lucky to have like a different perspective and like whenever you do get to crack the nut that maybe is a little bit hard to crack and that you can see them change. It's like really, it's it, to me, it's exciting. It's what drives me to want to continue in this industry is like we all are people, we all have a place at the table and we should all respect each other. Absolutely. Ashley, what are your thoughts? Um, for me, I think it was pretty easy to be a woman as a brewer. It was a very welcoming and inclusive environment to me while brewing. It was much harder to be 5'6 than it was to be a woman. Uh, Most production scale breweries are not set up for short people. And then in the distributor world, I felt like setting boundaries were very necessary for me. And I often felt like I was being perceived as cold. But in my current role, I think one of the things I love most about working for a grower-owned organization is that kind of um, farm ethics of respecting hard work translates all the way through. So in this, in this company, I don't feel like being a female holds me back. I am recognized for the work I put in. So as long as I'm working hard, there's always room for advancement and room for opportunity. Yeah, I feel, I mean, just my personal observations on, on that note a little bit is, especially within the farming community from which I come from is hard work is the currency. It's really, it's what your complete character and, and your value is based on. 
um, in these small communities, with small farming background. Um, so if you have a good work ethic, it'll take you really, really far. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really interesting to hear that kind of feedback of coming into this industry, um, how that has you know served you really well and 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 taken you really far. You know, a common response that we have gotten when we've asked this question of other guests is that um, that they have had to work extra hard to prove themselves because they're a woman. And is this something that you've encountered? And if so, like, what have you done to combat it or address it, I guess? Work really, really hard. Um, <laughs> no, I think... For me, I honestly felt more of a transition in the perception of the amount of work I was putting in once I became a mother, more than just being a woman. It is an entirely different level, I think. I felt like if my kid was sick and I took off, it was almost seen like I wasn't committed to the position. So finding that balance of being a mom while still maintaining some of those masculine-driven kind of characteristics that we often associate with people moving higher in the company. I think to me that has has always been a focus. I don't really know how to combat it other than to put my heart into everything I do and work really hard. If someone's cracked that code, I would love to hear it. <laughs> I do agree. It's a hard code to crack. Um, I think, yeah, you. I mean, you put in your time. I don't have um, children, so I don't know that dynamic, but um, you can tell that a lot of people do that do have children um, either have like a partner that's helping them, which is always positive. Um, I feel like our company values, you know, that family time. So I feel lucky there for people that do have that dynamic. Um, So that's really nice. In moments of self-doubt, what keeps you motivated and reminds you of why you love what you do? I just remember whenever I go out and see the growers and when our team gets together, um, it's always such a good like reinvigoration of why you're doing this. Uh, sometimes I'll even just like read the website or read that CSR report like she talked about um, because it does. It shows you like we are really here for a cause that's important and we're driving an industry that's very important. And so knowing that you're like a big part of that, it's like a good good place to start. It's a good feeling too, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I agree, like walking with the... Walking the farms is definitely a spot where I feel reinvigorated and excited to go out and share. The other piece, and it was definitely the initial draw to YCH, is the amount of research and innovation that's happening in the hop industry right now. The survivability studies that we've completed, the products that have been developed off of that, invigorate me and make me want to learn more and dive deeper and work harder to share this with brewers across the globe. Yeah, we have, and Pat, Pat Jensen, who's our, I don't know titles very well, I'm not very good at that part of the world, but um, Pat is an amazing guy, and we actually were out, was out with him the other night at dinner, and we were just chitty-chatting about something, and he immediately the next day sent an email to me and a couple other people about the product we were talking about, um, and like I, it just is neat to see him so connected uh, to the brewers, too. Absolutely. We have such a depth of talent and experience in this organization that is really invigorating. I haven't met a coworker here that I don't think is the smartest at what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel, I feel like we have the green of the crop. That's awesome. Yeah, when, you're, when you surround yourself with people that kind of, like, challenge you to do better because they're doing their best, it, like, kind of raises the whole, whole team up, right? It's like, 
what's that saying where it's like boats all, all, all high tides right <laughs> raise right. all boats yeah. <laughs> yeah. there Thank ashley's you. got it <laughs> i was like i know some of the words <laughs> so you know um Knowing that a lot of women have actually left uh, the craft beer industry um, over the years due to some of the challenges that we kind of, you know, talked about a little bit of, you know, having yourself questioned or, um, you know, not being supported in in different ways. Um, What encouragement would you give to those that might be struggling? So for me, change is happening, even if it's slowly. I just encourage women to think about how much slower it would be without them there to move that dial forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I haven't, I, I can't say I know a lot of women that have left the industry, um, but it is, it's a, it can be a challenging industry industry, but I also, like Ashley said, if people weren't here talking about it right now, um, it would be a lot harder. And then I also try to think, what if I went into this industry or what if I went into that industry and I talked to these industry professionals and literally this is an issue in any industry. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to run from it. Um, So I would suggest getting together with a group of friends and colleagues, um, peers that you can be comfortable with and really be able to talk out what's happening um, in your life if you're comfortable with that because that's where you're going to find solutions of how to deal with things that's where you're going to find you know maybe some solace or some like just some love that you need at that point i would say don't go it alone always try to reach out um and get some definite help or right um i think like one point that you said like knowing that every other industry also has these challenges you know why not stay and be a part of the solution for change, right? Like that's what we're, that's what we're ultimately trying to do with this, this platform itself is like, how can we be a part of the solution of of things that, um, you know, we want to see this industry be better. We always should, like, this is not a end goal. It's always getting, that's something our corporate social responsibility, um, coordinator Levi, why it always talks about it's a continuous journey. It's like the goalpost is always moving and it always should be, it always should be moving. And so, you know, if you're looking around and, and you're frustrated by the industry or the field or your company or whatever it is, maybe not company, but like, you know, the situation that you're in and knowing that it's a, a similar challenge everywhere else is like, okay, well then I'm going to stay here and I'm going to make the difference. I'm going to turn this boat around or I'm going to, you know, row in the right direction at least right. or whatever weird metaphor I can come up with. <laughs> but, um, I like that perspective a lot of just seeing like, knowing knowing what you know what can i do mm-hmm. how do you feel the hop and beer communities could be more inclusive and empowering for women so you know on that note of of seeking positive solutions for change what can we do um i recently was lucky enough to go to uh, femme ale fest down in fort lauderdale and i felt like that francis she's running a hell of a beer fest it was one of the most fantastic i've been to um she included um, I feel like everyone that presented was a woman. Um, she included some sessions where you were learning and then you were beer festing. So it wasn't just like this drunk fest, but it was actually a learning opportunity. And it was like a really great community of women. The night before we had the beer festival, she had a meeting with the Pink Boots Society. She thought there was going to be like 10 people there. There was like 55. 
um, which is really cool. They were all really engaged. Um, I feel like promoting more festivals like that that are, you know, focused on a community are really important. And it was well attended. I think she had like over 400 people there. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be really cool to attend sometime. But that's it's really awesome to see those uh, events taking what you how you would design it in your mind and applying those and being like, let's change it up. Let's make this also a learning opportunity as well. That's really cool to hear about. And hopefully one day I'll get to go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think we need more variety at the top. Um, Craft beer's been an echo chamber, and that's really not sustainable. If your leadership doesn't look like your local population, then I think you need to be looking at your recruiting practices. On the brewery front, if your consumers don't match the demographics of your neighborhood, you need to start asking questions. I think it's it's on the majority to include the minority. Um, So changes need to happen. I think we also need to take better steps to ensure safety. Um, I was at a beer bar last week and I saw a really cool sign in the door that immediately made me feel more comfortable and made me want to stay and be a part of the community they were creating. And it just simply said, if you are uncomfortable or someone is ruining your night, please speak to a staff member. Chances are they are probably ruining someone else's night. And as a woman, sometimes I don't always worry about myself, but thinking about how that might affect other people, suddenly I felt more open in that situation. So I think just small sentiments um, can make others feel comfortable, and if we're all taking those steps to include that, I think I think we'll make the industry better. I'm really glad that you, you brought some of those points up, Ashley. Um, to me, that sign, what it kind of does is as an establishment, it kind of goes like it reaches out, right? So that if you're questioning, like, I am uncomfortable or this something's not quite right, you know, someone's already extended partway. And so you feel comfortable at that point. You're knowing that they're going to be receptive because they've made the time to obviously have some sort of discussion, put the sign out. So, you know, it's going to be receptive ears. So it's like, it's, you know, finding ways, how can I make people feel welcome and safe? And so that if something does happen, um, that they feel that they can come to us and that they, they don't have to just walk, leave, walk, or, you know, uh, suffer from someone who's making them uncomfortable. And it's not just like, I think, I just like the point that they made about just if you're uncomfortable, it doesn't have to be something, you know, terrible happens. If you're not comfortable at this point, we want to address it because we want everyone to be welcome here. You're a valued patron. So I, I appreciate those points. Um, a lot and also your points about um, leadership being reflective of of the population your local community Um, that's what we want to do in in these communities is is build up the entire community so that there's leadership opportunities Um, and and that's kind of a great way to measure that like looking around so maybe the first step is okay let's look at our leadership let's look at what our staff you know what is, is this matching our town our city our neighborhood, whatever it is, um, and is is sometimes just the evaluation portion makes you um, start looking at ways that you can improve that. I know that like with our CSR report, just the start of starting to track that, like what are our demographics of our leadership, it doesn't mean that we're at the point that we want to be at, but we now have a baseline to measure against. So it means we're starting the discussion, which I think is a huge um a uh, step in the right direction. And I'm really excited to see how now that we're, you know, thinking about these things and we're measuring it, it means that we're 
actively finding ways to like recruit more women, recruit more mi- minorities into these leadership positions. Um, so I really appreciate both all of those points that you made. Have you had any personal mentors that have guided you on your career journey? I have. <laughs> Haven't we all? No. Um, well, the guy who told me to get this job or told me to look at raw materials um, was a really big part of my life. Uh, we worked together for probably like three years. Um, he was a sales rep for one of the distributors I worked with. Um, we just got along really well. Good, good person in general. And I'd always bounce ideas off of him. Um, and whenever I was like getting burnt out, he was like, you should look at raw materials. He's like, I think you'd be really good. Um, I guess that would be my guidance here. Um, my mom, she's amazing. She's a strong woman. Um, she doesn't take anybody's bull. She's, uh, now a realtor that's very successful. She kind of went bump, bumped around a lot. Um, but she found this like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something. And it's been cool to watch her grow. Um, and then just my friends in the industry, people around me. I take, I look at every, what everyone's doing, and uh, maybe they don't know that they're helping me, but um, definitely by just like asking questions, being out in the environment, and really just trying to stay connected. Wonderful, Ashley. I think I've been really lucky in this industry to have incredible bosses. My previous boss, Matt Meadows, has some of the highest emotional intelligence I've ever experienced. And my time under him not only made me a better employee, but a better person. And my current boss, Spencer, is the most motivating boss I've ever had. I've never wanted to work harder in my life. I don't know what skill that is, (laughs) but he pushes me. I also was looking and thinking about this, and I don't know what it is about women in sensory, but a lot of my mentorships through the years have actually come from women in sensory departments starting at New Belgium with Lindsay Barr and Ali Schultz and Stacia James. All three of them really mentored me and, and helped push me down a path that got me here today. And then here at Yakima Chief Hops, we have Tiffany uh, Petra and Tessa Shalati. And those two have been really incredible and grounding. And in moments where I've struggled with transition, into this new role because it is a lot to take in in an entirely new industry they've been really grounding and helped me find my path yeah big shout out to the sensory team they were on episode one of bigger than beer and brought some amazing insights i look up to them a lot as well they've challenged me in my role too and um just by having very candid conversations and i feel like that's really awesome to hear about that Apparently that's a theme (laughs) across sensory. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Are there any resources that you can suggest for other women to help provide support and and get them more involved? Either that's like uh, organizations, podcasts, events, or anything like that. For safety, I really recommend the Safe Bars program. It has a lot of tools to help um, to standing up against sexual violence in this industry. And when I keep saying this industry, it's not something I'm experiencing it. It was more in that like waitressing, bartending kind of time frame of my life. But I think these are skills we should all be trained on to know what to look for to help. Um, To get involved, I really recommend the Pink Boots Society and Girls Pine Out. I've been a Pink Boots member for what feels like my entire adult life. And I'm really thankful for all the connections I've made in the 
the ways I've grown with the program. When I started off, I felt like I was taking knowledge from everyone, and now it's been fun to kind of mentor and give knowledge later in my career. And if you're looking for a good, easy listen podcast that really focuses on women in the industry, I absolutely love Boys Are From Mars In. I don't have much to add to that. Ashley's Ashley's very dialed in. That's why I appreciate her so much. Um, I think if, yeah, I Pink Boots has been a good outlet for me um, between Laura Ulrich and um, Blanca Quintero. Watching those two women kind of react to what's happened with Rap Magnet and uh, find and be very open and giving in resources has been really cool. Um, I kind of tend to not think about things a lot. I grew up with four brothers. I've worked in around men for my whole life. Um, I fortunately have not been harassed. Um, I appreciate that about life. Uh, but I, I think it's very real, and I do think it's something that, like you mentioned, this um, the notes in the bars now. I have noticed a lot more of those, and I do think it's really important, especially when you're traveling in the airports and seeing like the sex trafficking um, text hotline. Like I, you know, you don't think a lot about that because if it's not happening maybe to you, but you know it's happening to someone else. So right. having stuff like that visible, I think it's really important. Wonderful. Uh, thank you both for those suggestions and, and insights on that. Um, what are, you know, do you guys have any key takeaways that you have for our listeners before we wrap up? This industry is only going to be as inclusive as we force it to be. So I guess speak up. Stay strong and stand together. The last thing we need to do is divide each other. I will echo that. I think that the dividing of people, uh, you see it across a lot of different levels of the world right now. Um, it's important to hear everybody's side and everybody's story and put yourself in everybody's shoes. Um, obviously, if you're doing bad things, then that's a different story. But um, definitely like grabbing across the aisle and listening to men that want to help and, and really having an open mind there um, is really important. I think it's going to make our the whole industry more inclusive, the whole world more inclusive. So the more we can all get together and listen to each other, the better off we'll be. Well said, both of you. Um, thank you both for joining me on the podcast today and sharing your valuable insights and experiences. Uh, a big thank you to our listeners for your support of Bigger Than Beer uh, this is a platform created to raise up the voices and, and contributions of women such as Kelly and Ashley in the hop and craft beer industry. Uh, please be sure to download episodes and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes that come out each Friday of every single week. And let us know how we're doing with reviews. We do value your feedback. Let's keep exploring solutions for positive change and building each other up. Together, let's create something bigger than beer. 